Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. So I'm, I'm going to be reading today from the New Living Translation. Um, I'm doing that because it has some verbiage uh, towards the second portion of Scripture that I'm going to read today that really brings home uh, the the. the the, the point, the truth that I feel like God is wanting to communicate today. And uh, we're going to begin reading in 1 Samuel chapter 4. This is part 3 of the series I'm calling The Glory Returns. The Glory Returns. And I've uh, been sensing the Lord really do some powerful things in this, uh, in this series. And I'm so excited about it. 1 Samuel chapter 4, in verse 1, at that time Israel was at war with the Philistines. Then, Israel, then the Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer and the Philistines were at Aphek. And the Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp and the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, let us bring the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord, or the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas were the sons of Eli, were also there with the, uh, with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. What's going on, the Philistines asked. What, what's all this shouting about in the Hebrew camp? And when they were told it was because of the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp. They cried, this is a disaster. We have never, fa- we have never had to face anything like this before. Help who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel. They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when, the Israel, when Israel was in the wilderness. Fight as never before, Philistines. If you don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. Now listen here. The ark of God was captured. And Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. That is when the ark, the ark representing the power, the presence, and the glory of God. That's when that was, that was taken from Israel. Now we're going to read the account of when it was returned. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah, Uzzah and Ohio and Abinadab's sons were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ohio walked in front of the ark 
David and all the men of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and he struck him dead because of this. And Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called this day. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I ever bring up the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of God. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of God. And the ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and the entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom. He didn't kill him, he blessed him. Uh, blessed his household and everything that he, has, uh, ha that he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, which is a great, which, uh, with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Miha, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite, Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their home. When David returned home to bless his own family, now watch this now. He returned home to bless his family. To, he, he returned home to give them a blessing so that, so that what the people of God had received could be on them too. Watch this now. Then when we turn on to bless his family, Mihal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Mihal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your own father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Mihal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless through her entire life. 
So this is part three of what I'm calling the glory returns. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for what you've done so far. You've saved people. You've spoke. You have been speaking to people. I even sensed that during the time of tithe and offering, God, breakthrough was happening for people, God. I know it to be so, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that even by the time they get home today, it's going to be waiting on them, Lord. And just like the dear sis said, when there was a prayer over her, by the time she got home and took the provision into her house, the rest of the provision was waiting. Father, today, I thank you for what you've been doing. But I thank you for what you're about to do now. For God, I decree today that there is a shift not just in this house, but in the kingdom of God. Because you said before you do anything in the earth, you reveal it to your prophets. And so as we declare from the, from the pulpits today, as we declare from the holy places today, as we declare the anointed utterances today, I thank you that strongholds will be brought down, not just in this region, but in this nation, Father. And I thank you, God, the banner of the Lord shall be lifted up. Now look upon my availability and not my ability today. Lord, I pray, let everything be so anointed, God, that people find themselves even enraptured in your presence today, God. As the word is preached, I thank you that you're gonna receive the glory for everything. And we declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this house as it is in heaven today in the name of Jesus and if you believe it shout amen and give God a good praise you may be seated today hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord I want to encourage all the people that are watching and when I when you guys when you hear me say things like um watching from all over the world, it's not because we got like one person watching. They was telling me last, somehow last Tuesday night in our prayer meeting, our prayer meetings now can be viewed via app. They're not even on social media, but they're on the app for you dear people that for, what, for some of you can't drive at night, some of you gotta work, you can be a part of the prayer meeting. But they was telling me that, that we had people from India watching our prayer meeting. I don't even know how they got our app, but so, so, we know that we're reaching into the corners of the earth right now. And uh, it's just the beginning of what you're about to see God do in this house. And, and you get a privilege to be a part of it. But I've been preaching this series called The Glory Returns. On the count of three, I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. The Glory Returns. And I've been talking about how, how uh, it seems like the whole body of Christ right now, across denominations, um, uh, regardless of where, what sector you're in or regardless of what circle you run in, everybody is saying we need a revival. Everybody is saying we need reformation in the body of Christ right now, in the church. And, and, and people say we need a move of the spirit. A lot of people are saying this. A lot of people agree with this. I agree with this. Matter of fact, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see it done. And, but, but I need you to understand desire and want does not make something manifest. 
So when we begin to look at this, God began to put a message on my heart. It started that Saturday when I preached in the conference, separated for his glory. God began to speak to me about some things about the body of Christ. So when I begin to preach to you about this today, you need to understand I'm not just talking to this house. I'm not just talking to Pentecostal houses. I'm not just talking to this region. I'm not just talking to this state. I'm not just talking to this nation. I'm talking to the body of Christ as a whole right now. This is a word that has to go out into the nations right now because everybody wants a revival. Everybody wants a move of God. But the Lord began to reveal to me in order for this to manifest in the body of Christ, the body of Christ has to sever its ties with some stuff. You know, in other words, it's, it's hard to hold on to the old and still get the new. Come on, somebody. It's, it's hard to hold on to the stale. And, and I mean, even if you had stale bread in one hand and fresh in the other, if you ate them both at the same time, you're not going to get the fullness out of the fresh bread. Why? Because you're putting stale bread into your mouth. Jesus said this. He said, you can't put new wine in an old skin and you can't put old wine in a new skin. He said, you're going you're gonna to ruin both of them. He said, but new wine has to go into new skin. So everybody, we're saying we need, about a, we, we need a move of God. So I've been preaching on the first service. The first sermon I talked about is that in order for us to have this kind of move of God for the glory to return, you got to understand the ark represented the glory of God. It represented the presence and the power and the manifestation of God. It was not the manifestation of God. It represented the manifestation of God. And, and so in order for that to happen, I said we have to sever our ties from the house of Eli. Eli and his sons were wicked. I'm not going to go through my whole message because we don't have time. But I want you to, if you were not here, I want you to watch part one because it's very important. Eli and his sons were, uh, were, they were wicked. The house of Eli represents a house of perversion and performance. I said a house of perversion and performance. And I told you, it's amazing to me how we will get up and we will shout and we will clap and we will celebrate people because they can sing good, they can dance good, they can play good, but they got three girlfriends and two ex-wives and they ain't living right. And it's ain't nothing but performance and perversion. And it's the house of Eli. God said, I will not let my glory return until you get him out of the way. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it. So, so, so the Israel at the time in 1 Samuel chapter 4, they were used to Eli and his sons, and, but, they, but they didn't like it. And God said, these, these people got to get out of the way. And now this is what the Lord allows to happen. God says, I'm going to allow my very own ark to be taken out of the control of the Israelite people. And I'm going to let it go into the hands of pagan people because what they don't know is I'm actually rescuing my ark out of a religious structure that can never produce any life. So therefore, I'm allowing it to go into the, I'll, I'll let my ark go into the hands of Philistines before I continue a lifeless religious structure that is not producing what it's supposed to be producing. So he allows his ark, his, 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 his thing that he has, he, he has Moses design and build. He has it go into the hands of, of uh, the Philistines. Why? Because of a perverted and a, or a perversion and a house of performance. Hello, American church. 
Oh, he's so anointed. Oh, my God, have you heard him sing? I want to know how he lives. I'll, come on, somebody. I don't know if I'm trying to get y'all ready for part three today, but I want to know how he lives. I want to know. I want to know, is it Eli or is it Samuel that I'm talking to right here? We got houses of perversion, houses of performance. Talking about we want the glory. God says you don't want the glory or you would kick that out of my house so I can return. I'm going to talk to you today now. And then I said last week I talked about the house of Saul. The church must sever its ties with the house of Saul for the glory to return. And just like the house of Eli represents perversion and performance, the house of Saul represents pride, position, and persona. Pride, position, and persona. Folks, prideful. Don't, do not care if God's with them. Just want to continue to keep the position that everybody looks at. Pride, position, and persona. Really don't care. Really. <laughs> Listen, I'm talking to the body of Christ now. Y'all just help me. Y'all help me preach today now. Pride, position, and persona. Saul did not care if God was with him in the position as long as the people didn't know God was not with him in the position. He said, Samuel, would you please just walk out with me? I don't want them to know that it's been stripped away from me because I care more about what people think than what God thinks. And God said, this thing has to sever from the body of Christ. If there's ever going to be a glory, come back on my house. And so they got a persona, they got an image to keep up. They got, a, they got, they, they got a, a position to keep up. And what they don't realize is his pride. I told you, I said, Saul didn't, Saul didn't mind somebody giving him a word from God. Saul didn't even mind obeying the man of God. Saul wanted to do God's word his way. And that was the big issue. And now we have, we have, we have Ameri an American church. Let me just talk because we live, we are Americans. We live here. Let me just stay right here in this nation. We have an American church that says we believe the word of God. They preach the word of God, but they don't want the ways of God because it, be it begins to keep them, it's an inconvenience to them. And until the church of America kicks the mistress of convenience out of the bed, it will never have the glory that God wants on it because you can't walk up and pull his arm and get something out of him. So we, we have conferences and I'm not talking, and this was not referring to the one we just had. I'm saying we got conferences, we got meetings, we have, we have all kinds of church services about how to get revival back. But, it, but, but, by, but by 55 minutes into it, folks are still looking at their watches saying, I need to go to the chicken place. I didn't really want to come to service this long. And they don't realize is that you cannot bring God's glory back on a new car and pull by some oxen. God said, I've already set this thing in the place that it needs to be set in and you can do it my way or I'll let it go right back across the line to the Philistines again and we can do it all back over. So David tries to bring the ark back. He tries to bring the ark back in a worldly way. He gets the idea from the Philistines who put it on an ark and pulled it with oxen. So he tries to bring the ark back. And, he, and the house of Saul is all mixed through it because you've got to understand something. It was in the house of Abinadab. Abinadab was Saul's son and Uzzah and Ohio were Saul's grandsons. And Ohio is so arrogant, he's walking in front of the ark. 
He's so prideful. He's sitting there saying, look at here. I, this thing's been with me for 20 years now. Y'all look at me. And God's sitting there saying, it makes me sick at my stomach. The glory will not return back through a religious structure that I rescued it out of. I'm bringing this thing down to nothing so that I can lift up what I've already designed it to be. And so Uzzah has the, Uzzah thinks God needs help, reaches his hand out to steady the ark and God strikes him dead. And David, David's trying to figure out what's going on. And so David gets upset with God. He thinks that everybody who's around the ark is going to die. And God said, I'm going to show you something. You can put it in a Gentile's house and I'll bless him the whole time it's in there because he has more reverence for my presence than you do. <sighs> We're still in the introduction. Y'all stay with me now. So he, he, they report back to him, Obed-Edom has not died. This man is so blessed that, that you can't even hide it. And David says, oh, wait a minute. Now I understand. I can't get God's glory. I can't get his glory back through the, through the avenue of convenience. So David looks back and says, how did he say, how, let's remember how he said for the ark to be carried. Oh, you got to get the Levites and they got to cleanse themselves and they got to sanctify themselves because you got to understand when the Levites would put the ark on their shoulder, it wouldn't get heavy because once they sanctified themselves, the grace and the empowerment of God would help them carry his glory. Y'all ain't want to talk to me today because you got to understand if you're going to carry it, you got to be set apart so his grace can help you carry it. And so he says, oh, I remember now the Levites are the ones to carry it. And not only are they the ones to carry it, he said, but God can't just be treated old, any old type of way as he walks up, as we walk this thing back into the city. So David, listen, he does not only divorce convenience, but then he goes all the way over to the other side and he says, I'm not let, we're going to stop every six paces. One, two, three, four, Five, six, stop everything. Kill a bull, kill a calf. Not only did he say, we're not going to be inconvenienced. He said, we're fixing a straight. I'm, I'm going to take my extra time. You got to understand that the, that the, the distance from Obed Edom's house to Jerusalem was about five kilometers approximately approximately six miles, if you will, or, or, or maybe four, I can't remember exactly. Now think about how long it's going to take. For you to have the ark of the Lord and every six paces, he says, now stop it and do it over again. And you couldn't just kill the animal and offer it up. It had to be prepared right. What are you talking, why are you telling me this? Because we're trying to get God's glory back, American church, in an hour and 15 minutes and act like we're going to do it. And David said there, I'll take weeks to get this thing in because I done found out you just can't treat him any type of way.
You just can't treat him any old type of way. And, and we can sing about the glory and we can preach about the glory and we can teach about the glory and we can prophesy about the glory. But God said, until you divorce your, your mistress of convenience, you won't have the glory. But until you get like David that says, I'll sacrifice every six paces. It does not matter how long it takes as long as I get it when I get there. This is where God is, this is what God is saying. The house of Saul. Now I want to talk about this, and then we're going to go and eat chicken wings or something today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I might have felt some, some help when I said that. Amen. <laughs> Number three. Number three, the church must sever its ties with the house of Michal. Who's Michal? M-I-C-H-A-L. It's not Michael. Michal. In the Hebrew. What are you talking about? House of Michal. Before I can get into this, the house, the house of Michal's assignment. I want you to understand two things. One was Michal was actually from the house of Saul. She was actually from the house of Saul. She was Saul's daughter. And therefore, it was, in some ways, it was, it was the house of Saul's last attempt to control what God was doing. But because, but because she had married David, she was supposed to be disconnected from the house of Saul and connected to the house of David. But her refusal to completely commit to, to David as a wife puts her out there by herself. Secondly, it's important that even though we're talking and reading about the actions of a woman in the Bible, we're looking at a spirit. This is where I want to get you focused. We're looking at a spirit. Therefore, in order for us to recognize or discern the spirit, we have to have an understanding of how this spirit operates, thinks, and moves in the body of Christ. You see, the house of Michal, the, the, that assignment is, to, is not to stop the glory from returning. Its assignment is to keep it from staying. In other words, it's okay to have a revival as long as you don't stay in revival. Hence the reason why even in our own fellowship has had major outpourings and major shakings, but it always seems to sizzle out with man at the end of it. Why? Because the spirit of Miha showed up and said, let me control this thing where it needs to really be. That's why Michal didn't meet David and the Levites when they began to bring it back. Uh, they, she didn't meet them at the threshing floor of Nacon. Uh, she didn't meet them when they offered sacrifices every six paces. She showed up, the spirit showed up when they placed the ark in the tent and, uh, that they had prepared for it. Now, while, watch this. While he is alone, the spirit showed up to make him second guess his worship to the Lord. Ah, make him second guess his devotion to God. Make him second guess, did he really do it right? She, this spirit likes to show up and get you discouraged in what God has already told you to start out. This spirit tempted him to make it all about the piece of furniture and not the God of the furniture. Oh, let me, can, can I go just a little bit more? Y'all clap for three seconds. Come on, one, two, three. Uh, the, the spirit of Miha is the spirit that says this. Does it really take all that? 
Does it really take all that? Why, why can't we just have three songs that are five and a half minutes? Somebody get up and pray, give us a devotion, take the tithe of offering and let us get out of it. Does it really take all that? Does it really take all that prayer? Does it really, why, why can't we just sit here and have armchair worship? Does it really take all that? Why can't I just sit here and have folded arms praise? Does it really take all that? This is the spirit of Miha. The spirit of Miha. Uh, listen now, we're we going to go somewhere, but we got to, we got to cut the head before we kick the body down. Uh, this spirit says, I'm a Christian, but I don't spend all, I, but why I'm gonna spend any time at the church? This spirit says, it's okay to have a life that is centered around what you want, what you desire, not what the kingdom wants. This spirit, the spirit of Mihal, turns their, watch this, their spiritual switch on every Sunday morning and turns it off every Sunday evening. I'm going to go somewhere. The spirit of Mihal, it compartmentalizes the moves of God according to personalities, race, denominations, nationalities, or even geographical locations. It says things like, well, God is moving here too, but we have a different style. Church style doesn't have anything to do with the move of God. Child style has everything to how you deliver but when God shows up the same results seem to show up every single time so they say things like well we got it here too but we just have a different style this is let me tell you something I want to just real quick while I'm getting to where we need to be to be to today five things that happen when God shows up people are born again in undeniable ways public confessions for Christ People are made free from demons, bondages, and dumb, demonic torment. As you, man, God done preached my whole sermon already. People are being baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The gifts of the Spirit are operating. Supernatural works of God are manifesting, including growth and expansion. And there is a call to ministry, witnessing, and evangelizing the lost. My God, He's done preached my sermon. When God is showing up, so it does not matter what style. They can be a spitter, they can be a sweater, they can be a yeller, or they can be a jumper. It really doesn't matter. But if God shows up, this happens. There was a man of God by the name of Derek Prince. Derek Prince would stand behind the pulpit. And he never lifted his voice any louder than this. And he spoke with the British accent. And he taught the word of God. And he never ever shouted and he never sweated. And he never spit and he never ran around. He never left the back of his pulpit. But while he preached, demons would cry out. People would cry out because deliverance was happening while he preached and, and people would run down and get saved and they would begin to pray for people and they'd get baptized in the Holy Ghost and all kinds of kingdom manifestations would happen in his services. It didn't have nothing to do with his delivery. It had everything to do with his anointing. And I'm sick and tired of people talking about there's a different, we just have a different style. No, what you have is man's made structure that is producing nothing in the kingdom but when the kingdom shows up the results show up with it hallelujah uh, 
the, the spirit, the, can, I, can I go a little further today? The spirit of Mihal says, I'm not, willing to, I'm not willing to go or to do what it takes to get the ark of the Lord to return, but, but I'm going to criticize you while you do it. I'm going to criticize your theology. I'm going to criticize your doctrine. I'm going to criticize your delivery. I'm going to criticize everything you have because you're really, because what I'm really after is the glory of the ark return and not really the glory of the ark. Somebody help me today. Uh, the spirit of Mihal justifies its sin by comparing it, uh, com comparing it to the culture today. Well, I'm really not that bad. If you look at culture today, if you look at what everybody's doing, then it's really not that bad to shack up. I mean, actually, what we're really going to do is get married five years from now, so it's really okay right now. If you really look at how people are acting today, it's really not that bad. I mean, so what? I get drunk every once in a while. I don't get drunk every night. It really ain't that bad. So what? I get high every once in a while. Everybody, there's people that get high every night. It really ain't that bad. So what? There's folk down there doing all kinds. Of, I'm really not like them. But what you must understand is that God didn't ever compare you to the culture. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. And come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. This is what God is asking for. It's a spirit of Mihal that says, it says, just let, let me compare myself to the culture. And God ain't never asked you to compare yourself to culture. He never asked you to, he never asked you to com compromise the culture. He said, be get full of the Holy Ghost and engage the culture and let my glory return. Now let's go a little further. Come on, Jesus. The spirit of Mihal justifies its complacency with convenience. Before they got complacent, you couldn't drive them away from the move of God. Now they, now they church hop to see, well, oh, help me, Jesus. They church hop to see who can get them in and out the fastest because God has become something they do instead of someone to encounter. So now I'm trying to figure out, can I do God on a Sunday morning? So, so when, I feel, when, I, when I have the mindset of doing God on a Sunday morning, now it's become about a clock. It has not become about an encounter. I didn't really come for an encounter anyway. I came just to get my, oh, help me, Jesus. I came just to get my conscience satisfied and to get this out of the way because really everything else I do today is what I really woke up for anyway. So let me get it out of the way. I got, listen, stay with me now. I got to take the head off before we bury the body. I got to take it off. Uh, this spirit justifies lukewarm living and adopts laziness as a fruit of the spirit. This spirit is willing to give their all to jobs, hobbies, and everything else that they might come, that might come their way but complain about time that is spent in the kingdom. I don't want to be at church all day. Jesus, can we have a church after this? <laughs> yeah. This spirit, this spirit says uh, things like, "Being, I'm in the kingdom, but I refuse to sever my ties with the past. That way, when my friends talk about everyone else at my church, they exclude me from being in their conversation because I can still fit in in my old ways." 
So I'm not like them, even though I go there. I, I know what you're, yeah, I know sister so such. I know who you're talking about, but I ain't like them. I ain't like them. You know, that's them down there. I just go there. <laughs> and you're wondering how, I, how in the world have I been around with you this week? You, let, me, let me just help you out in case you're a newcomer. The Bible says that when they was asking about Elisha, they said, the man of God knows what you're talking about in your bedroom. You got to watch what's happening because God can turn around and eavesdrop on you so fast and then tell the preacher exactly what you're going through so he can handle it and so you can be free. So, you know, I ain't really like them. I go down there. To, yeah. And, and yeah, I speak in tongues, but I speak in tongues quietly. You know, one of the things that concerns me, it concerns me when, when the enemy of the Lord feels like he has a, your, he, that your ear is safe. Now, notice I did not say a lost person. I did not say a struggling person. I did not even say a bad. I said an enemy of God feels like your ear is safe to complain about his bride. I'm like, they don't never talk to me. I'm like, where are all these people at? I can't get them to say nothing. Let's get back. This, this spirit says, I will do whatever it takes to be accepted and popular in the world, even if it causes me to grieve the Holy Ghost. I'll grieve him so I can be with them. This spirit says, <laughs> This spirit says it's more important to me about what the backsliders say on social media than what God says in his word. Therefore, I get more concerned about catering to their lies and their false accusations than I am helping and checking on new people that got born again. In other words, I'll spend all week about somebody complaining they won't never attend this house, but don't ask me to call anybody who just got saved because I ain't got time for all that. I'm going to talk about it. Don't ask, I ain't got time to go call the new believers, the people that got, I ain't got time to go down here and check on these folks. I ain't got time to pray with them. I ain't got time to call on them. But, but I'll sit there and spend all week with a negative Nancy on social media. They won't never attend these doors. It's the spirit of Mehaw. Woo, help me Jesus. Come on now. Oh, let's clap. Come on, come on. One, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. Okay. Church, it, it is a spirit and it's detrimental to the kingdom of God advancing in the earth. It stands in the way of revival and the glory returning to the church and staying at the church. What is this, what is this spirit after? This spirit is after your intimacy. Stay with me now. Y'all ready? We're about to finish. This spirit is after your intimacy with the king. I need you to understand that the Bible never said that Michal was barren. 
See, people preached that she was barren, but she wasn't barren. But when she turned around and turned on the ways of God, the king would not be intimate with her no more. So therefore, she could not produce anything from her spirit. She could never produce anything because the king says, you're my wife, but I ain't going to touch you the rest of your days of your life because you don't know how to honor the gifting and the anointing that's on the inside of me. Therefore, you have forfeited your fruit. He never said she was barren. He said she didn't give birth to a child. The king put her away and said, I don't want to have nothing else to do with you. Because the spirit of Michal seeks to sever your intimacy with the king. So all of a sudden now, instead of you spending time in prayer, you don't have time. All of a sudden now, instead of you lifting your hands in worship, you don't, have, you don't feel like it. All of a sudden now, instead of you giving him a praise that he deserves, you don't have time for it. And, and, and this, and it continues to go, and it continues to go, and it continues to go. And before you know about it, you don't have intimacy with the king anymore. And can I tell you, without intimacy with the king, you will never produce anything in your life. You can talk about I'm pregnant. You can talk about I got a womb. You can talk about I'm going to give birth to something, but you until you're intimate with the king, you don't have no seed inside of you. But when you turn around and willing to give him a praise and a worship, and you're willing to do what it takes to get alone with him, he'll turn around and invite you into his chambers. And when you walk out that thing, you got something inside of you that you did not have inside of you before you left out. But you got to get me haul out of the way. Because the spirit of Mihal seeks to sever your intimacy. Want to make it about just structure. Want to make it about just this is what I do. I want to make it about just this is, this, is, this is how I go through my motions. See, you'll never look at praise and worship again the same. How is it that Mihal looked at David? Something that was so pure that God was willing to put a stamp on it. God was let, willing to let his glory return on it. And how could she look at it and say, you in the flesh? And David said, no, 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 you don't even understand something, woman. I watched a man die out here over this stuff. I watched this ark that stayed in Philistines' hands for six months. And I watched it stay in a religious structure for 20-something years. It has been my desire to get this glory back. And what are you trying to say today, apostle? I'm saying it's been my desire for 20-something years to get a glory back on the church of America that'll reach this nation like it ain't never reached before. So whatever it takes... We'll stop every six paces and we'll sacrifice to the Lord whatever it takes. We'll shout, we'll praise, we'll dance, we'll sing, whatever it takes. We'll get Mehal out of the way. We'll get Saul out of the way. We'll get Eli out of the way and let his glory return. Somebody shout for the Lord. Zeal has eaten me up for his house. Number two, the spirit of Mihal is after your lineage for the king. You know, there's been times, Brother Trey, I might not have felt like singing, clapping, 
You know, what a lot of people don't know is uh, a month ago when I preached probably one of my most powerful sermons I've ever preached, I was in so much pain that I couldn't even hardly stand. But I refused to stop it. I refused to let it stop me. You want to know why? I, I, I refuse to let it, not just because Jesus is worthy of it, not because he's just worthy of my praise and worship, but because I see, my, I see the next generation watching me. I see a lineage watching me and I want them to understand something that just because you don't feel like it and just because you don't want to do it and just because you don't think this and that, he's still worthy of it. So whatever I got to do, I'm going to give you a praise God. I refuse to hold the back of the seat. I refuse to cross my arms. I refuse to be silent. I'm going to give God a praise that he's worthy of. Oh, hallelujah. I want it to be said of the next generation, Pastor. I want it to be said of the, my lineage that I remember watching Granddaddy. I remember watching Daddy. And he was weeping because pain was coming out of his eyes. But can I tell you, he still worshiped. He still praised. He still gave him something to work with. The lineage is watching me. And what Michal did not realize is that when she, when that, when she allowed that spirit to influ influence her to judge David's worship, she cut off her lineage. And she died by herself, fruitless, because she put her mouth on stuff and had no business talking about. No business. She looked at it and said, Really? Really? You God don't He don't. You really gotta give him, I mean, you you really gotta dance. You you really gotta praise like that. Now here it is, I'm still in the point number two. The spirit of Michal says it's only anointed if I say it's anointed. It's only God if I say it's God. It's only a move of God unless I say it's a move of God. It's only holy if I say it's holy. And God said, I've been putting up with this stuff for years. And now my son does what it takes to get the glory back. And you raise your head. And he says, hold on one second. You're going to be fruitless. Not because I closed your womb, but because I closed your king's heart. And the intimacy has been forfeited because you're waiting on a feeling.
Is this okay? I told you I'm not just talking to the church. I'm talking to the body of Christ as a whole. So now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden we've, when I say weave, I'm talking about the, the body of Christ. Now we have tailored, we've tailored our worship services to, to now they have become concerts. They become concerts, and I'm not saying it because they got lights, and I'm not saying it because they got a smoke machine, none of that. I'm saying it because the people out there don't participate, and they watch what goes on up here. And God ain't never asked nobody to come in. He's never asked worship to be a spectator event. He always said it needs to be a participator event. And the people up here are nothing to do, nothing but to guide you into a place that they've already been before. And so our worship services have become concerts. And now we, <laughs> thank you, Holy Ghost. And now we are, we are mistaking that for the anointing and the presence of God. And it's not. It's not. That's just how it is. Because the spirit of Miha is after your lineage, is after to cut you off. Hallelujah. That's the reason. I'm going to go to point number three. Just stay with me. That's the reason. We refuse. We resist. We push back against worship being a spectator sport or spectator event, whatever you want to call it. We refuse it. If it's spectator, it's wrong all the way around. We refuse it. That's why these dear, these anointed brothers and sisters up here say, lift your hands. They shouldn't even have to tell you. Say, well, I, I can't stand nobody cheerleading me into the, into the present. You don't need to be cheerleaded in. You, you don't understand, you think they want to? But with your arms crossed and chair back and chair back worship just ain't getting it. Now don't everybody have to worship like me and I don't have to worship like you. We don't have to be cookie cutter Christians, but can I tell you something? You can't be like me, Hall, either sitting there saying, does it really take all that? God is wanting your very best every time you lift your hands, every time you sing, every time you clap, every time you attend. God wants your best. And whatever that is, give it to him. And then lastly, the spirit of Michal is after your connection with the people of the king. Michal gets, Michal, she gets separated now because she lacks reverence and honor for the anointing. The sin here in all of this is what I'm talking about today. The sin here or the obstacle here is half-hearted worship and dishonor. When Mihal confronted David, it just wasn't about undignified worship. Now listen to me. It wasn't just about undignified worship. It was about she seen him after the flesh. And the apostle Paul said, I know no man after the flesh. 
In other words, what he was saying is, I refuse to focus on what might be wrong with you. I'm looking at the Christ in you. Because if I keep focusing on what's wrong with you, I'm going to get critical of you. I'm going to get judgmental of you. And I'm going to sit here and talk about why you don't need to be here and I need to be here. And before I know it, I get buried in a hole and I don't know how to get myself out of it. See, what she wasn't remembering is that not only was David a king, he was the anointed king. Not only was he the anointed king, he was the one God sought out. But not only that, he was a prophet. More prof- almost more, uh, he has almost more prophecies than Isaiah. Not quite as much, but has many prophecies of the Messiah. Not only was he a prophet, but brothers and sisters, he was a priest. How else can he eat the showbread in the, in the tabernacle unless he's a priest? There ain't but one other person that's like this, Jesus. And hence the reason why the Messiah came after the lineage of David. And here the spirit of Michal is is reduced, trying to reduce him down to his fleshly value. Not looking at his office, not looking at his anointing, not looking at his ministry, not looking at what he just did, not looking at what he has given, not looking at what he's trying to do. Now I'm going to reduce you down to your very least so I can try to push me up. I didn't plan on this sermon going this way today. But it's got, we got to take the head off. And, and it, ain't as, it ain't that prevalent here, but it is in this region. And I came to announce to this region, I came to announce to the state of Georgia, I came to announce to this nation that we're not only severing our ties with the spirit of Eli, we're not only severing our ties with the house of Saul, but we're severing our ties with the house of Mehal as well. And we're going to give God a praise when it, a praise that he's worthy of. We're not going to, we're going to give him what he's worthy of. And we don't, it does not matter whether you like it or not, whether you judge it or not. We have found what gets the glory to come back. And whatever we got to do, we're going to get it back. Whether it's, ah, whether it hairless the Pope or makes everybody quit, it really don't matter. Because we got a zeal for the house of God. Hallelujah. So, now I'm about to end. Trey, just play me something soft, brother. David shows up to bless his family. Now watch this. Michal is is lined up for a blessing. She's lined up to be fruitful. She's lined up to multiply. She's lined up to be intimate with the king. But instead of getting up there saying, I ain't never seen no worship like that. You bad. Yeah. 
come on. I'm, I'm, t- I'm, just, I'm just happy to be connected with you. Man, I, matter of fact, David, man, I, I, next time you go before the Lord, can I come with you? I, I want to I learn how you, how, how you done got to this place with him. I, I, I just, you know what, and, and you know what, David, I, not only are you bad, but I think you look good too now. Come on now. I, 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 and, uh, and, you know, and I would, I would love to produce some of your offspring. And it, instead of this, she lets the spirit come over her. And she gets critical. She gets judgmental. She gets jealous. How are you going to take your shirt off in front of them? She gets bitter. She looked at everybody that was watching David instead of looking at his worship to God. And she gets so sidetracked that a spirit comes and says, can you believe that? That ain't church. Can you believe that? That ain't called for. Correct him. And she opens her mouth. And as soon as she began to talk. From that point forward, she would never produce another thing. Why? Do we have two billion professing Christians? I know they probably ain't all, but they say they are on the planet and we're declining. It's a spirit, brothers and sisters. It's a spirit. And we're tied into all kinds of stuff and nobody will get up because they got because money's involved and clout's involved and, and this, this Christian television's involved and that Christian television's involved and that author's involved and, and this TV station's involved and that denomination's involved and if you say something about that they ain't gonna invite you back to their, to their general council and if you say something about that you can't preach at their district council no more and that's involved and that's involved and meanwhile the spirit is choking the church out but I came to say it don't matter to me I'm, I'm gonna preach this glorious gospel because I realize what I have been put on the face of this earth for and it is to see the glory of God come back to the church and let it cover the water let it cover the earth as the waters cover the sea we pray you were blessed by today's message for more content and to get to know us better download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com